Chapter 2 of Commentary on Romans by Theodoret of Cyrus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. He proceeds now in another way to prove our possession of the power of discriminating between good and evil. Verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But, although thus situated, if you had received authority from any one to pass sentence, you would punish the transgressors of the law as guilty, so perfect a distinguishment have you between good and its opposite. It becomes you then to be aware that, in the very judgment you pronounce on others as sinners, you involve yourselves in the same condemnation, for you have not hesitated to fall into the same transgressions. Verse 2. But we answer that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. But it is evident to those who think rightly that by the divine law all who transgress are obnoxious to punishment. Verse 3. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering? We know indeed that in his own due time the righteous judge will inflict vengeance on every sinner, but you, says he, who are so ready to punish others and to shut your eyes to your own transgressions, imagine that you will escape the divine tribunal. Not so. God bears with you and has long suffering, because he yet waits your repentance, as he subjoins, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Verse 5. But after thine hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up to thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of god verse six who will render to every man according to his deeds for since you have an obdurate spirit and remain still in your iniquity you are passing against yourself the sentence of punishment which god in mercy indeed yet delays but will in the last day set forth allotting to each a recompense correspondent to their own works well does he adopt the expression treasurest up unto thyself in order to show that nothing of ours whether word or deed is consigned to oblivion but that they who love virtue are laying up for themselves a store of good and the workers of evil doing the same of evil verse seven to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality eternal life he teaches the difficulties of virtue and displays its crown for the patient continuance in well-doing is expressive of those difficulties in that we must persevere in and carry through our virtue and so expect its crown but the labour is but for a time the gain eternal and this eternal he joins not to the life only but to the glory the honour and the immortality also being desirous to illustrate the reward of our good deeds in as many ways as possible verse eight but unto them that are contentious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Verse 9. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that worketh evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile. As with respect to the former party, it was not simply to any chance person, nor to such as follow virtue sluggishly, that he promised those blessings, but to those who are contented to undergo its difficulties and labours. In like manner does he now threaten the heavy denunciations upon sin, not to such as are betrayed into it on some chance occasion, but such as determinately pursue it, as is evident from the are contentious, the obey not the truth, and the work evil. Jews and Gentiles equally, says he, 
he will punish if transgressors and deem worthy of the crown if zealous after holiness and righteousness by the gentiles he means not such as had become converts to the divine preaching but such as had lived antecedently to our lord's incarnation nor to those among them who were idol worshippers but those who being beyond the mosaic polity had yet embraced true piety and sought after righteousness does he promise eternal life verse ten but glory honour and peace to every man that doeth good to the jew first and also to the gentile he speaks thus not without a distinct design but with a view to what follows where he enters upon the accusation of the jews verse eleven for there is no respect of persons with god verse twelve for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law god he says is the maker of all and therefore the judge of all and the jews then will he take account of and condemn according to the mosaic code but those that have never received it whom he means by the without law and their sin he will justly punish according to the knowledge of good and evil implanted in their nature verse thirteen for not the hearers of the law are just before god but the doers of the law shall be justified for the law was not sent to us to gratify our ears but to lead us to the practice of what is right verse fourteen for when the gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law these having not the law are a law unto themselves for that the divine law demands such a practical obedience they also testify who antecedently to the mosaic code exercised themselves in holy thoughts and adorned their lives with virtuous deeds and became their own lawgivers verse fifteen which shows the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another verse sixteen in the day when god shall judge the secrets of men by jesus christ according to my gospel he shows that the law of nature was written in their hearts and that the self-condemnation or self-vindication of conscience was according to truth and i think it worth while to illustrate this by some example when then the admirable joseph was bringing his plot to bear concerning benjamin and attempting to take him for a slave as if he had stolen the cup in order to prove the temper of his brethren as it were in the fire then was clearly manifested the strength of the testimony of conscience for then they were least inclined to turn their minds to that tragedy and yet could not but remember the sin themselves had committed two and twenty years before so that they cried one to another genesis forty two twenty one and twenty two that the blood of our younger brother is required at our hands while reuben reminded them of his entreaties among them agreeably then to this instance we may describe the future judgment and conscience of those who lived beyond the polity of the law now as pleading their defence and alleging ignorance and now again admitting the justice of the accusation and confessing the equity of the sentence passed upon them and thus again abimelech genesis twenty four and eight having the testimony of his own conscience cried to god lord wilt thou slay an unconscious and righteous nation said he not unto me she is my sister and she even she herself said he is my brother with an innocent heart have i done this thing having thus then laid down these matters the holy apostle now turns his discourse to the jews and says behold thou art entitled a jew for this title was from of old a general and honourable one wherefore he says not merely named but entitled and 
restest in the law for thou weariest not thyself like him who is a stranger to the law in searching after what is right and fitting in practice but hast the law itself teaching thee all things plainly and makest thy boast of god as of one who has honoured thee above all the nations on the earth dignified thee with his especial providence bestowed on thee the law and led thee by the prophets verse eighteen and knowest the will that is the will of god and discernest the differences that is between things which are opposite to each other righteousness and unrighteousness justice and injustice temperance and excess piety and impiety being instructed out of the law for this it is which was thy teacher in these matters verse nineteen and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind a light of them in darkness verse twenty an instructor of the foolish a teacher of babes he here points out their arrogant self-opinion and lays bare the superciliousness they exhibited towards proselytes which hast the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law for the divine law has furnished thee with the characters of all these things verse twenty one thou therefore that teachest another teachest thou not thyself thou that preachest a man should not steal dost thou steal verse twenty two thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery dost thou commit adultery thou that abhorrest idols dost thou commit sacrilege verse twenty three thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law dishonourest thou god he shows that they had drawn no benefit from the establishment of the law among them but being content to pride themselves on its mere letter and endeavouring to teach others while by their deeds contradicting their words so boasted in the law in vain and he adds a proof to confirm the accusation verse twenty four for the name of god is blasphemed among the gentiles through you as it is written not only art thou not the cause of glory being given to god but through thee many tongues are excited to speak evil of his name in that when they witness thy wicked life they openly reproach the god who hath chosen thee for his own having thus shown that they have taken no advantage from the mosaic legislation he turns his discourse to circumcision and proves that it also is deprived of its object when separated from the other works belonging thereto verse twenty five for circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law but if thou be a breaker of the law thy circumcision is made uncircumcision the holy apostle follows in the train of the ancient prophecies the god of all says by the prophet jeremiah chapter nine verse twenty six chapter four verse four all the gentiles are uncircumcised in the flesh but the house of israel are uncircumcised in their hearts and again circumcise yourselves to god adding in order to show what is the circumcision which he speaks of as pleasing to god take away the hardened foreskin of your hearts starting from this point the holy apostle shows that circumcision is idle if the circumcision of the heart be wanting for it was instituted in order to that which if absent the other is of no avail since it bears but the part of a sign for where we put gold or silver or precious stones or valuable raiment we are in the habit of affixing a mark but when none of these is within the inscription of such a mark is idle verse twenty six therefore if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision the law says he demands practice when then thou who art circumcised hast not this but the uncircumcised has oughtest not thou justly to be called a sinner and receive thine honourable name instead no longer acceding to your reproaches being named uncircumcised but rather circumcised 
as having cut off the evil of his heart. Verse 27. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfills the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision dost transgress the law? Worthy of all admiration is the exceeding greatness of the apostle's wisdom, in that it is not the natural which he opposes to the written law, but the despised name to the honoured, uncircumcision to circumcision. And this, he says, is free from blame, for no one is born so of his own choice, but so the Creator formed his nature, wherefore neither can any injury arise from thence to such as love virtue, while thou hast received from thine ancestors the sign of circumcision, and hast the law teaching thee what thou shouldst do, and yet in thy works actest contrary to all that the law points at. Having thus demonstrated that circumcision was given for a sign, and had afterwards become idle, he then proves that neither has the name a Jew any advantage. Verse 28. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. Verse 29. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. He falls back here upon the testimony of the prophetic writings which we have above quoted, for circumcise, says he, the hardened foreskin of your hearts. End of chapter 2